Welcome to Purdue Crop Chat, a regular podcast from Hoosier Ag Today and the Purdue University Extension Service, featuring Purdue Extension soybean specialist, Dr. Sean Castile, and Extension corn specialist, Dr. Dan Quinn. On this episode, Sean and Dan talk about the slow start to the harvest season and some early soybean yield numbers. In terms of yield levels, what I've been hearing so far, personally, as well as some other fields, mid-60s. I think some folks are, are taking some headlands off, some end rows off, and, and seeing where it's at, and maybe it's just not quite there um, yet. So we're seeing that in some of the fields. This podcast is made possible by the Indiana Corn Marketing Council and Indiana Soybean Alliance. Your Indiana corn and soybean checkoff investments yesterday Yesterday are paying off today. New research, new uses, demand creation, bringing dollars back to the farm. Check it out at yourcheckoff.org. Now your host for Purdue Crop Chat, who's your ag today's Eric Pfeiffer. Here we are again at the Indiana Corn and Soybean Innovation Center in West Lafayette. It is a pretty chilly, fall-like Wednesday morning, and. Uh, Sean Castile is here, Purdue Extension Soybean Specialist. Hello, Sean. Hello, Eric. Dan Quinn is here, Purdue Extension Corn Specialist. And, you know, he had one job, Sean. He stopped at Mary Lou's <laughs> and got his coffee. He got donuts for himself. I'm I'm not seeing the box with yeah. the other donuts for, for you and me uh, with him today. Yeah. Grandpa always said, you know, when you go to a donut shop or, you know, in the middle of summer, we'd go to the ice cream shop. You hide the evidence, Dan. You haven't sure. learned that. Sure. So if you're going to go there, hide the evidence, but don't come in with the Mary Lou Donuts coffee cup just blinging in our face. It's yeah. just, you know, corn acreage is down, you know, and, you know, we're <laughs> you feeling the blues. Is that what you're just, feeling the blues. You know, <laughs> <laughs> these soybean guys are the ones that can, you know, bring the donuts. Uh-huh. Got, you think so? got the extra money. This year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, too funny. Right. Well, we're here to talk about what's happening out there in uh, Indiana's farm fields, and we're getting off to a bit of a slow start just uh, from Monday's report. Looks like 6% of corn has been harvested across the state, 5% of soybeans, and that puts us behind the five-year average here in Indiana. It also puts us behind the national average. Uh, the rest of the U.S., 12% of corn has been harvested, 8% of soybeans. But it looks like we might see some weather here throughout the next week or so that might help us get caught up a bit. Dan, let's start with corn. Where are we at? What are you seeing out there? Uh, and are we going to make up some ground here this next week? Yeah, I think you look at the, the forecast this next couple of weeks, it's supposed to stay dry. Um, we'll see for guys in southern Indiana if they do catch some of this hurricane that's that's rolling through. Um, but I think it, it really stems back to, you know, we were we were behind in a lot of fields that got planted this year. Um, you got a few folks were able to get in some of those April windows, and I think that corn, you know, was able to mature a lot earlier, and it was able to mature during when we were still in those high 80s and 90s, so it was able to dry down uh, quite a bit quicker. But now we've got the later planted corn. It's maybe maturing a little bit later, and it's just, just not drying down as quick. So I think, you know, Sean and I did quite a bit of driving around the state, you know, from Indiana to Illinois, and I was down to Kentucky too, and just not seeing much corn harvested. It actually surprised me that uh, corn is ahead by a percent. I would have guessed actually soybeans to be ahead. It looked like more more yeah. fields of soybeans were actually getting cut. Um, but yeah, I think it, it just stems back to, you know, some of those delayed planting conditions we had this year and it maybe just kind of set harvest back a little bit, but you look at the, the conditions, you know, this week and next week, you know, it's supposed to be up in the seventies. It's supposed to be dry. 
you know, I, re- I really expect stuff to kind of open up quite a bit in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're starting in, into some of our research trials in southeast Indiana tomorrow. So and we'll start working our way towards the northern part of the state. So I fully expect things to, to really start rolling here soon. And I mentioned to you, Dan, just on my way here. OK, mm-hmm. so I, I'm like 10 to 15 minutes away from here. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing some cornfields that part of it got yeah. harvested <laughs> and then they just stopped at some yep. point and i was asking you know, like i assume that's because they got in and decided yeah maybe we need to hold off yeah i've been talking to a few farmers you know even last week and saying hey i'm thinking thursday is the day i'm gonna go and then just not hearing back from them on the harvest front and i think you know looking at the crop and you know it's starting to dry down and stuff they think they're close but they get into some of these fields and maybe the moisture just isn't where they they would hoped at so i think some folks are are taking some headlands off some end rows off and and seeing where it's at and maybe it's just not quite there um yet so we're seeing that in some of the fields thank you and i were talking dan we rode shotgun uh together last week a couple times and uh, also there was some some early price benefits too on the mm-hmm. corn side right so I, I think a lot of that comes into play that uh, people are trying to get the combine set trying to get the, okay dryers and the bins but then also uh, elevators and uh, processors are taking a little bit earlier so then you yeah. know maybe cutting pulling uh, beans or excuse me I'm used to beans pulling the corn a little bit earlier than usual maybe they got enough of that and then they hit yeah. their fill and then now it's okay i'm paying the price i'm not getting the premium so i'm going to hold off a little yeah, bit yeah some some folks actually around around here in lafayette uh you know they had really good basis really good yeah. price some of the elevators were taking um, high moisture corn and actually some of the folks told us the prices were actually good enough that they could actually cover some of those extra drying mm-hmm. costs um, but maybe that actually kind of slowed down for some folks so they're maybe holding back a little bit uh, and letting some of their other corn dry down yeah Sean, what are we hearing about soybeans? I understand that you got out and got some uh, yep. some things harvested here earlier this week. What are you seeing out there? Yeah, so, I mean, there are certainly fields that are ready that are getting cut. And so uh, in terms of yield levels, what I've been hearing so far personally as well as some other fields, mid-60s are, are pretty much covering the the board and that's some early beans planted early so maybe not as much of a high yield end uh, potential but pretty decent uh, moistures are maintaining like i cut some beans yesterday afternoon and i mean it's a 60 degree day overcast and so i maintain 13 percent all afternoon so that, that's beautiful in that that way you know usually you start out 13 you end at 10 or 9 it seems like on the warmer weather uh, days before i think i've been hearing similar you know 10 12 percent and uh, moisture has been holding out okay Again, back a little bit to Dan's comment as well as the soybean delay in harvest. I think um, we had that 90, 85 degree weather, and then just like a rock last week, we dropped that 20 degrees. First day of fall. It's yep. like Mother Nature realized, like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta change oh, this, and yeah. boom, flip exactly. the switch. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, as both crops are progressing, uh, that really got slowed down. So that weather is going to do it. Obviously, on a 65 degree day, it's kind of cloudy, hazy. Today, we're not going to have much drying versus tomorrow. It's going to be same temperature but sunny uh, and windy. So we can have some pretty decent drying, but not as fast as we had, you know, seven, ten days ago. I think that's certainly playing into both these crops. And then in terms of the soybeans, um, if you guys recall, planting was delayed. And then in two weeks, we got half the crop planted and we, we hit the mark. But all summer long, these soybeans have been delayed. Uh, even though we, we planted fast, but then that month of June, we were dry, and then bloom was uh, pushed back, uh, pod set was pushed back, uh, leaf drop is as well. So all of that's coming in line. It's just following that same delayed pattern. Um, but, yeah, I have been surprised how, how few acres of beans have been cut, but I dare say, you know, within the next few days to a week, we're going to have a lot of them rolling. 
Mm-hmm. Now, Sean, we've talked a lot about soybeans being made in August mm-hmm. and, and here early September. Now we're at the end of September. Sure. Did we get them made? I mean, did, <laughs> did we get it? I mean, obviously you're talking about some pretty decent yields there, mid-60s, yep. with, with 60 being the, the average or the, the record that we're First shooting state, for yep. the USDA is sure. looking at this year. Sure. Uh, so I assume we, we made them. Yeah, I think uh, we certainly had the weather in August and September to make them up. So I think that we talked about the pods coming late and, okay, let's make sure we retain those. I think for the most part, we got a lot of good timely rains across the state. I think the temperatures up until last week, for the most part, we maintain mid-80s, good sunshine. So, I mean, those combinations are what we need. The other side of kind of the delayed harvest the delayed leaf drop is that that tells you that there's adequate soil moisture in a lot of these fields that there's adequate temperature uh, both sunlight uh, what you're getting in the radiation as well as the temperature itself so those beans are holding off longer and longer to finish filling so that is a really good sign to me um, yeah, it'd be nice to get some more uh, beans cut earlier when you have longer hours, but I also would like to have more yield. And so I'll, I'll handle another week delay in harvest so that we've packed on a little bit more. I think I made the comment a few weeks ago that if we've filled in these pods um, and we got good soil moisture, good sunlight, we're probably still going to hold on to the stems. And I'm seeing a little bit of that too. So we got some green stems out there. So again, go out there test the seeds themselves don't look at just the stover the stem itself uh, that that's not going to be it these these beans are ready and should be cut now sean you mentioned green stem syndrome we talked yeah. a little bit about that the last time around uh you're saying you're seeing it a little bit yeah. not much uh are there any other issues that have popped up here during harvest it's been kind of a pretty good year from a disease standpoint from what what i can gather talking with the two of you we just haven't seen a whole lot this year yeah i would agree to that and i haven't seen i haven't heard a lot of uh people comment about green stem syndrome we do have some of that from time to time uh i've not heard a lot of major pressure we had some sds that showed up late some brown stem rot those diseases whenever the soil dries out the the presence of that just visually shows up even more we had pretty adequate moisture so we're kind of overcoming some of that so I think we're good uh, some of the other diseases that showed up soybean vein necrosis I mean maybe a little bit um, the only thing that really hit my mind over the last probably three weeks uh, was our bean leaf beetle pressure I saw kind of second generation come in on a lot of fields not every field but more than we'd like to see so you had some leaves that are getting rattled up and then the pods in particular so that would probably be the only pest to, to kind of note as we we're finishing up the season that probably took a little top in a lot of these fields not every field i mean here locally i've seen it uh, like dan and i we were over we we crossed over the state line to illinois <laughs> but <laughs> but when we went over there and looking at some of those they weren't having the feeding on on those soybeans i walked and so i mean i think it is localized areas that we're seeing that now dan we've talked all season long about tar spot and, <laughs> and what's been going on there it, it i was just looking at uh, darcy Telenko's map the other day and it's mm-hmm. it's pretty well full like yeah. it's i i couldn't name the like three counties that it's not <laughs> in at this point um but we've been talking a lot about that the thought is it came in a little late for it to have too mm-hmm. much of a yield impact this this time around which is yeah. good news what other things are you seeing out there as far as uh, corn is concerned? Yeah, I think, you know, on the tar spot front, it, it came in late. You know, you think of the, the rainfall we've had in the month of August and, and stuff and the conditions we've had, some of these cooler, wet conditions would cause that disease to kind of to kind of expand across the state. But, you know, I think it 
is the point where the corn is, is a lot closer to maturity and it really is, it shouldn't impact it too much on the yield side. Um, another disease, you know, there is other diseases on corn. We talk about tarts about all the time, <laughs> you know, um, Northern corn leaf blight, you know, is, is one that kind of, you know, was pretty surprising to us that was a little more, uh, heavier pressure this year. Um, so that was something to note, you know, gray leaf spot and those, but a lot of those diseases just, just came in late as we got those conditions, those more humid, wet conditions to, to drive some of those diseases. Um, some of the issues we're starting to see across the state and some of the calls I've had, have it's been a little bit really stemming from those drought conditions that we had in the month of June, I think that really caused a lot of stress, um, on the corn side, you know, all the way stemming from maybe, you know, number one yields, not being as good as, as what a lot of folks have hoped you know tip back issues on some of those ears um, but we're also seeing where you get some of that premature plant death um, out in the fields where the plants just just start to shut down you know I think that really stems from from some of the early season stress we had so it's a good time to you know again we talk about this is you know the stock health of those plants so the plants that are stressed you know get some of that premature plant death that just exposes them more to stock rots it just allows that plant where it's actually starts cannibalizing its lower portion of the stock to fill that ear and that stock quality really goes down and it's more prone to, to lodging so some of these fields in you know southern indiana that maybe have some premature plant death going on in those fields think about some of the hurricane weather maybe working its way up this way you know trying to prioritize those fields getting some of those fields um some other issues we've seen is actually some, you know, exposed ears in some of those fields where you get that tip of that ear exposed and that can be due to drought conditions we saw earlier than pollination it actually can impact that, you know, that husk length and that husk growth. Um, so you get exposed tips. That it just exposes it to birds, to insects. Um, we're seeing, you know, if you get those exposed tips, those ears stay upright, they get wet, you know, and then you start seeing some diseases come in. Um, we actually see what they call vivipary, which is where those tip kernels actually sprout. Um, so if you have stress, stressful conditions, they actually can throw off the, the hormones in those kernels and cause those kernels to sprout. So the, what they call is vivipary. There's a word of word of the day for for everybody um and was and, that on your so, calendar <laughs> <laughs> spell it i dare you no. <laughs> um it, but so seeing some premature plant death um, a few stock rot issues out there so those fields just trying to get them off earlier so you don't run the risk of them falling over um, some ear rot diseases showing up um, aspergillus is one that really shows up when you have drought conditions really around pollination um, so aspergillus kind of looks olive green and dusty. Um, the issue with that with aspergillus is that you can get the aflatoxin, um, and that's something that's really concerning for some of these elevators when it comes to animal feed um, and the toxic of those those aflatoxins in that grain. So again, those fields. So not as only important to scout and look for premature plant death out in those fields, but also are you getting some of that premature sprouting? Are you starting to see some of those ear rot diseases? Those are the fields. Hey, maybe I need to harvest a little bit a little bit earlier just to get that grain out of the field and then do I need to maybe sort some of it out or, or find a way to to screen some of that grain out so you don't get docked um, at the end with that grain I'm gonna need you to spell those two Aspergillus, Aspergillus and, and aflatoxin yeah. <laughs> corn c-o-r-n got you we're good and that's all that Sean knows about corn <laughs> <laughs> it's a weed yeah <laughs> Uh, so, so guys, what what are our thoughts here? I mean, uh, obviously, we, we read off the numbers here of where we're at from a harvest standpoint this week. Do we think that maybe 
uh, you know, this this coming week, the week that we're in right now, we might still be a little slow, but mm-hmm. come next week, that that's when the floodgates are going to open. Is that what we think? Yeah, I think on the soybean front, we're we're going to run as much as we can. the The difference between you think about that slow start with planting versus the slow start with harvest beans in particular corn's different um i mean beans get tough right they've got to be just right for a good harvest and so we're not able to run a, a 24-hour schedule like we can with planting you know it just if we have three different shifts we can get it planted and get 50 percent planted in two weeks and call it good we just can't run those long hours on the the bean front because the the plants themselves just aren't going to be harvestable in that way now there's certainly different machines and equipment that can handle them better maybe run a few hours longer but um i think we're we're going to get ramped up probably not going to catch up in a crazy fashion like we did with planting but i think we are going to start hitting it pretty hard over the coming week yeah i, I think same thing on the corn side you know i think a lot of the corn that's been harvested so far a lot of some folks were able to get it snuck in kind of there's a, a window there in april where they're able to get it in and and you look at when that really the the dry down period of corn grain you know and how fast that grain dries down really determines you know when it matures hits black layer okay what are those conditions around black layer so some of that corn maybe that got in that earlier april or so on you know did mature when we were in those high 80s 90 degree temperatures and when it matures at that time you might we might have grain drying down of 0.8 to 1% per day, but some of that later planted corn, you know, it's not too far behind, you know, in terms of, you know, the maturity of that corn, but it matured maybe at the time period where we saw that dramatic flip in the temperature. And then it might be down to maybe 0.4, 0.5% per day. So it just, just kind of slows down a little bit um, when you have these conditions we've had, but it is, you know, looking at the weather, it's still supposed to be pushing 70 degrees. It's going to be dry out there. Folks will be able to get out in the fields. I actually saw some fields that guys were able to get it harvested and worked already, mm. Um, mm. which was pretty surprising to me. So if it does say dry, you know, if some folks are able to get, not only their fields harvested, but actually some some fall field work done um, as well, which is pretty good. But I I fully expect here in the next couple of weeks for stuff to to really get wide open across the state. Dan, you were mentioning about you know the the ear going a little bit further than the husk, and um, you know going through that, I see similar things in the bean front. So on that what's that tell you about the the crop and, and when you have fields that are like that and then I'll, I'll kind of mention what i think it happens on the soybean front when you see a, an ear that goes beyond the corn husk, yeah yeah i think husk. you know the big thing that really from this year that stems is is the drought conditions we saw in june that really led up to beginning pollination and during pollination um, and when that happens you know at that time is it not only is it limiting the whole plant growth so we did see where plants are just don't have the biomass this year just don't have the sheer size because uh, we got dry when that we're in that rapid growth phase and we're approaching pollination and when that happens in the corn plants too it also can impact the the husk the sure. potential husk size so we're seeing you know maybe the ear size is is pretty good um, pretty normal in a lot of fields um, but that husk size was impacted by some of those drought conditions we had so we're just seeing ear size are pretty normal we lost some of that biomass some of that you know that size of those plants mm-hmm. the husk size of those plants so we're seeing that that tip come out of some of those years so the the similar thing that occurs on the soybean front is that we have a pod that's it's set this this size this is what we want and then uh, so whether it's drought conditions uh, maybe not as much rain or some of those that affect okay overall what's the pod size and then you have the following 30 35 days of seed fill and we get soil moisture we get good temperatures and like oh i can continue growing i can get bigger beans and so uh, 
you'll see beans that bust out of the pod quite literally. Mm-hmm. So right at the suture, that's my word of the day, suture. <laughs> Spell that. <laughs> I, had to look, I had to look, that one's easy. I had to look that one up, make sure I was spelling it right. No, um, no, suture. So, I mean, that's just when the two halves of the pod, that's where they meet, right? That's where they get stitched together, if you will. Um, and that bean get, grows and grows and to bigger than the capacity, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the genes that are okay. It's thirty two, thirty fours, but you're not a thirty two, thirty four anymore. You're a thirty four, thirty six, and you're just busting out, right? Yeah. And so it's the Mary Lou donuts that we're talking about here. <laughs> but in that, uh, this is the beans have gotten so big, right? They're busted out of the pods, and so I, I've seen some of that occurring. And so when that happens, it's going to be a very similar thing as the corn. Is now you've created a an entry point for. Uh, you know, water to come in. So yep. we can have vivipary. We're going to have the same thing. We have the, the precocious germination, right? You can have that, that occur. You can have seed rots. You can have some of the insects or saprophytic fungi get in there. So yep. some of that is occurring. And, and really what that tells me on the bean front is that, okay, we weren't set really good uh, with pod size. So the plant didn't think it was going to get that big, but then weather turned and helped us. And so um, the hope is that we don't have as much of that occurring and that we still got the big beans, like we're talking about get some good yields, but we're not breaking open the sutures of the, the pods themselves. And then we can get them harvested timely. Yeah, in certain instances in the corn, I don't think it happened so much this year, but certain years where you have, you know, ear sizes being determined, you know, those vegetative stages a little bit earlier in the season where you can actually get pretty large ear sizes um, and actually where that plant you actually get some tip back but the yields are still pretty good it's just that plant from the husk size to the kernel fill just can't keep up with the sheer size of that ear but yeah when you get the the tips of those ears exposed it just exposes them to, to a whole bunch of different issues yeah. everything from birds to um, diseases to the vivipary or you know all this different type of things that that cause some of those issues so something to pay attention to Let's take a time out here, guys, on the Purdue Crop Chat podcast. You know, we call Sean the Purdue Extension soybean specialist, but he's really a jack of all trades. We we can talk about a number of things. <laughs> I'll let that stand. Yeah. Um, so so we're going to talk about winter wheat planting coming up here as well. It's time for that. So let's take a time out here, and we'll be right back on the Purdue Crop Chat. Rain or shine, or shine then rain. That crop is your number one focus. While you're navigating the weather radar, your corn and soybean checkoffs are tackling the twists and turns of new markets, new uses, and new value-added ventures. From high oleic soybeans to corn-fed chickens, we're growing opportunities while you grow your crops. Check out what your checkoff is doing for you at yourcheckoff.org. And we're back here on the Purdue Crop Chat. I'm still here. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Sean Castile is still here. Dan Quinn is still here. Still not here. The donuts. You'd think after we made the complaint that Dan would have like gotten on Uber Eats or something and got something in here. Hey, but yeah. no, no, he's just still sipping on that coffee. He is. Maybe I'm trying. I'm trying to get us a another sponsorship for this podcast. Mary, Mary Lou Donuts. Uh, <laughs> man, I like the I like the way you think. That's all right. <laughs> oh man, they could just you know send a box in for free. I, I, yeah, I can yeah. I can take that. You know? <laughs> but uh, hey, let's let's talk a little bit about wheat. Uh, we we tend to focus on corn and soybeans uh, on this podcast, but it is time for winter wheat planting. 
And, Sean, I'll let you kind of take it away. I assume that it's a little bit behind as well because we're still waiting to get stuff harvested. Sure. Yeah, so when you think about, you know, we, we normally run around 300,000 acres a week, give or take a 50 to 100,000, depending on the year, depending on the prices. Uh, but that, that handles most of our weed, acre, weed acres, and it's going to be in the southwest and northeast primarily, and then little scatterings throughout there. So, you know, obviously we've got to get the corner of the soybeans off to mm-hmm. it before we get the wheat planted. Uh, usually when you look at wheat planting, uh, we've got the hesh and fly free dates is kind of what we talk about. And, and in particular, that's going to be, oh, from the northern areas, about the 20s, right, September 20s or so, going down to the southern part of the state, October 8th, 9th, thereabouts. And so you've got that continuum. And so really what we're looking for with timely planting of wheat is after the hessian fly free date there's guys that certainly push it and push it before that like they get the the crop off and go ahead and plant and get it done uh, there is a little bit of risk uh, with uh, hessian fly coming in that's why we have it it's, it's about temperatures it's about the conditions that are conducive to that fly to, to infect the wheat and so we wait until afterwards what's historically cooler temperatures so then we don't have that in that infestation um, other aspects of planting too early on the wheat front is that we can get a lot of just uh, fall growth and you get too much of that growth you can have a good disease presence that's not good right soil-borne diseases come into play you get some even um, some viruses that get vectored by some of the insects because there is so much of that material there so we do try to you know hedge that a little bit with okay when is the calendar helping us and when we talk about calendar it's about field conditions soil temperatures air temperatures and the life cycle in particular of our pests so whether it's insects or whether it's diseases so um yeah we're probably a little bit behind on the wheat we're not uh behind in terms of uh causing an issue by any means yeah. right now we are at four percent winter wheat planted here in indiana uh, up from two percent the week prior uh, we were at about 10% at this point last year, 8% for the five-year average. So a yeah. little bit behind, but but yeah, not too bad as well. Yeah, but again, whenever you put that in context of uh, how the corn and soybean yeah. harvest is, we're 4 or 5%, or 6%, wherever we're at right now in both the crops compared to the double digits that we were last year and the year before, yeah, mm-hmm. wheat's going to be a little bit behind. Yeah. Uh, I don't see any reason for us to, to make any changes on the wheat front either, right? Seeding rates are going to be typically still... 1.3, 1.5 million seeds, and uh, assuming we get good germination and things like that. Right now, I don't see any reason to make changes on, on those. Yeah, and I think, you know, it stems back to the harvest timing of both crops, but also, you know, you look at the weather, you know, the way it's, if we get some of this stuff harvested and it does stay dry, you know, I, I expect those numbers really to, to jump up. So yeah. you'll be able to get into some of those good soil conditions. They always say plant. What is it? Plant weed in the dust, the bins will bust, right? <laughs> oh, man. He's full of it. Man. Pearls of wisdom. You know what that is? You know, it's the donut hour that he sits in there yep. and gets the, all that it's wisdom that, that from the old timers there, and then he brings it here. Yeah. I, I appreciate yep. that. I sit around the table and get yeah. all the solve oh. world problems. Oh, solve world problems. <laughs> sounds good. And, and elevate your yields. Is that what it is? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, as far as weed is concerned, again, you know, we're we're not foreseeing any problems at this point, but if we did stumble upon some problems here, how late's too late to be planting wheat? Mm. At what point do you have to be like, oh, man, I, I, it's just not going to happen? Yeah, I think the question with the, the too late of wheat is, all right, you can plant, I've planted even in well into November, early December, and the, the big thing in terms of getting a crop, I'm not saying the best crop, but getting a crop is get the seed in the ground and have it germinate. 
and then that way at least it can go through the cold cycle. It needs that during that dormant period. It needs the cold cycle so then it can flower the coming spring and, and summer and continue to uh, grow. Now it's not going to be the highest yield by any means. You've got to have a certain level of biomass. You've got to have a certain level of tillers and everything else. Uh, so that has to put it into context, right? If we look at October plantings in general, those are probably going to be more than enough. But boy, you start to push it beyond there. That's when we have uh, some yield losses occurring because we just don't have the growth uh, we don't have the tillering we can manage for that so let's say we do plant later um, and we don't have good tiller count so then you come next spring you do a, a split application you do an earlier application with nitrogen to kind of encourage some early growth to get some extra tillers going to make up for the lack of growth that you got in the fall you're listening to purdue crop chat brought to you by your indiana corn and soybean checkoff organizations visit yourcheckoff.org and uh, you know, as I understand it, you tell me if I'm wrong, but you, you talk about, you know, it might not be the best if we get that late, but some folks are using wheat kind of as a cover crop here as well, mm -hmm. just to keep something growing out there. Uh, do you foresee that trend growing? And I mean, wh yeah. wh what do you think there? I, I think wheat is a is probably a really good crop to bring into the rotation regardless. So if you put it for grain or you put it for cover, um, if someone hasn't really been doing cover crops, it's going to be a pretty simple one to, to bring into yeah. the, the mold. Now, it's not going to be a winter kill like you think about oats, but it's not going to be too difficult to take out next spring. So uh, I've had that call multiple times in the spring. Hey, can you come out and take a look at this, this field of wheat? I just don't think it's going to quite be a good grain crop. And that's fine. Then you got other options. You can burn it down. You get the, the soil health benefit, the organic matter buildup. Guys can even cut it for a little bit of wheatledge. And so there's several options out there, especially if you get wheat that's on the cheaper side. So you think about that aspect of mm -hmm. it. I think it has uh, it is a, the multi-use utility player, if you will, of, you know, of the crops. Yeah, I think wheat, you know, even on the cover crop front, it, it you know, a lot of we always talk about rye, but rye can get out of hand on you and it just gets big and then you get so much problems. So I've been actually fielding some calls even this fall where some folks are, you know, I've done right in the past. Say I'm actually kind of thinking about maybe doing a cover crop of either barley or wheat um, just because the crop doesn't get as big. And even on the wheat side, they're actually seeing wheat seed could actually be cheaper than some of this, this cereal Mercy, rice. I mean, that almost makes it a no-brainer yeah, to me. exactly. And it doesn't get out of hand, and we're not seeing as, as much of the issues in terms of carbon penalty and, sure. and residue issues in the, in the spring. So I think, you know, especially some of those cover crops in front of corn, you know, you might see a switch to some of these um, i was down in kentucky last week and you know actually talking to some farmers down there that were actually you know talking about maybe switching to something like barley um, i think that works you know in these southern counties um, again it's just back to not getting a cover crop that just gets so out of hand and then it's just such a headache um, mm -hmm. in the spring i think what's interesting about this discussion is for the the grower to okay do we have a decision on what we're going to do with it whether it's barley whether it's winter wheat uh, to go to grain or to have the flexibility to say, I may take it to grain, we'll see what prices look yep. like. Um, that's a hard deal for me just because I, I like it, but then, boy, you still have that extra level of decision-making to happen mm -hmm. whenever, okay, oh, did I order the seed enough or do I need to wait or do I go ahead and terminate? But it does open up possibilities for managing the field, managing the 
the the winter the markets and so a lot of that does come into play um, and then depending on where you are in the state uh, if you go for grain you can still get a double crop of soybeans obviously the southern half that should, shouldn't be a problem in the northern half of indiana that that does uh, tend to be a little bit more of a russian roulette type thing we can manage for that i've got recommendations that are outside the norm uh, for double crop soybeans but if you bring in barley and if you got a, a market for the seed of that mm -hmm. that's going to be a crop that's seven to ten days earlier than wheat and 10 days is huge when you try to get a double crop in the northern half of, of Indiana. So that's for the seed. But then you throw it into the mix of a cover crop aspect. Sure, why not? Yeah, I think just adding, you know, wheat in, into the rotation, they've done tons of work, you know, the benefits of doing that. I, th I always liked wheat. You know, when I was up in Michigan, you know, wheat's just really popular up there. It gives a lot of folks the flexibility. Um, I, you know, if you've got a you want to put manure on you know that's a big thing having wheat getting that wheat off you know put some of that manure on you want to get on a you know a, a clover type cover crop that are a lot difficult more difficult to to get established and emerge after you know corn soybean harvest it just adds a little bit of level of flexibility um, the prices have been really good on wheat in the last few years so you know it's it's always something to to consider for folks one thing that i have for you dan on that is you know you think about any kind of a disease bridge and so yep. when i think about wheat and going into corn or corn and after corn right i mean yeah. you're hit on either side of this right yeah. um you know normally when we think about planting wheat uh for grain uh not a big fan of it following corn uh, mm -hmm. because of disease but i mean that's not to say it's not done either yeah. right and so that's but then you, you switch it and then you put it as wheat is now the cover that's going ahead of, of corn so mm -hmm. what what's your comments questions on on that program let's go with the wheat that's okay maybe it's going to be seed but i'm going to switch to cover and go to corn what issues do you see no i think you know on the disease side you know especially with if you have corn in front of wheat or wheat in front of corn it's typically fusarium yep. is the yep. one that stands out you know gibberella and corn it's the same time, yeah same, i don't know why the pathologist you know, switch the, the fusarium head blight yeah, and yeah, wheat yeah, so you know that's that's a big head scab and wheat is always the biggest you know disease right. so you can get that little bit of bridge between corn and soybeans but i think you you know you kind of manage it in terms of you know a cover crop um you know having like something like rye so we see those issues in rye where you can get soil borne diseases and so on but i think if you kill it on time you know be able to plant your crop on time and get it in get it established well into that residue um, and manage it accordingly you know some of these seed treatments do a pretty good job of controlling some of these soil borne diseases following some of these um, crops so I think it's just paying attention to those things um, and doing what you need to do in terms of management but in terms of you know wheat as a cover crop you know I think the benefits really are from the nitrogen side you know we don't see as much of a nitrogen penalty or tie up from the wheat because the carbon and the amount of biomass just is, isn't as big a lot of times as what rye can mm -hmm. do um, so I think there's there's some benefits on that aspect but it's still important to to watch and pay attention to some of those diseases you know especially from the fusarium side of the head scab and the gibberella and corn yeah I just, I just want to bring that up in particular mm -hmm. know, knowing about the disease bridge and and that we say oh it's an easy one to add into mm -hmm. your and then have flexibility but then uh, I don't want people getting caught if they're doing this for the first time or not as frequent of a wheat producer whether it's for grain or cover that there are some other aspects of management yep, to that exactly well guys here as we uh close out our purdue crop chat it is harvest season it is underway um all, all throughout there before you guys kind of give your final thoughts here you know each year um for for many years now who's your ag today has put out a, a video 
talking about harvest safety and Mm -hmm. road safety and we certainly want to echo that message um you know it's it's interesting we we put out the video to kind of remind uh, you know just motorists hey be patient farmers will get over when they can Uh, then we go and we get a bunch of comments on you know social media about well someone needs to remind the farmers that they need to get over and um i'm i'm pretty confident that our farmers know that um and and it's just a matter of you know making sure that they're doing it in a safe way for them a safe way for you the motorist and also a safe way for the equipment as well because Mm -hmm. you can't just be going off into some ditches or anything either so um i guess that's my plug for for harvest safety please let your friends know the video is out now at the hoosier rag today facebook page and on youtube share it about let people know to slow down maybe leave a little bit early here this harvest season so they when they come across some of this big equipment they don't get in such a hurry i mean i see people trying to pass farm equipment in school zones and it's like one do you think it's a good idea for them to pull over in a school zone and two do you think it's a good idea for you to be going faster than them in a school zone yeah but that's where we're at you know whenever this fall weather hit you know, everyone knows pumpkin spice is going to be out there. Everyone knows that the tractors and combines are going to be out there. This should be just uh, part and parcel. And I read uh, just a meme the other day. It's like, okay, falling behind the, the slow-moving triangle sign is the same as two traffic light signals in a city you can deal with it. So yes. obviously we're a little, you know, want to make sure we protect the farmers. But, you know, this is – and everyone. But let's be patient with each other. Yeah, patient. Everyone wants to get home safe. Yep. Yeah, patience. Patient drivers, is that even a thing? Even yeah, more this I don't know. It's almost like a patient corn ground. I'm just waiting for the beans to actually get cut <laughs> so then you know they can get their full yield potential hands, before yep. corn gets the <laughs> shelled. Yeah. So what do we think, Dan? Final thoughts here today? Uh, I think it's it's just paying attention to some of those issues I talked about earlier, whether it be ear rot diseases or some, some sprouting on some of those tips or even you know some of that pre you know pre-death on some of those plants that are starting to shut down it's even still a good time in some of those fields that even to use some uavs and use some drones it gives you an idea you can actually see pretty clearly you know i've got some spots that are that are dying a little bit earlier in some of these fields hey do i need to go out check some of that stock health you know do i have some ear rot diseases out there you know some other issues hey do i need to prioritize some of these fields so i need to harvest some of these fields earlier you know as we think about southern indiana what's going to come out of this hurricane you know potentially yeah. some some severe weather out of that so especially the folks that are down there that hey maybe had some fields that are kind of prone to falling over maybe we need to get those out soon instead of you know prioritize those before some other fields but again you know we talk about this i think every episode just Pay attention to your fields, understand what's going on out there. Um, harvest is a great time to learn, you know, learn what, what worked, what didn't work, you know, what we need to do next year. Um, you know, get that data, really try and make sense of that data so you can improve for next year. Sean? Yeah, on the soybean front, I'd say there are some fields across uh, in August and September that were starting to lodge a little bit. So just be mindful of that as I'm listening to Dan, trying to learn from him a little bit every now and then. And uh, thinking about those fields that were lodging, when I was walking those fields, I think more of them just had a heavy pod load. And so my guess, I haven't gone back to those fields but or got the calls either, but that they've sprung back up and they should be fine. But if they haven't, if you've had those fields that tended to lodge, let's go out and make sure you look at those fields because uh, the more that they are down or closer to the ground, uh, disease development, you think about losing out on some 
of the seed because we have Phomopsis or some of the other diseases that come in on seed itself. Let's let's be mindful of that. Uh, the other side of it is uh, just uh, to be ready to harvest. And so we've certainly got some fields that are already going. Um, let's make sure that we look at the field okay as the seed itself in the pod and not the, just the stem. Those are probably the big things. And then the final one is um, if you haven't been in the field, to, to already have the conversation with your soil sampler, your ag retailer, say, okay, what are we doing fertility-wise, uh, and to be ready to pull the trigger. Right now, weather looks great. It can change in a blink of an eye, so I want to make sure that we've got these fields set up for the next year, even if it is corn that it, it's coming into that field. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, you know, especially this year on the fertility side, I think a lot of folks probably last year with the prices, you know, maybe sampled and yep. said, hey, I can get I can get through this year, I'll be okay. Um, but I think it's still come, important to come back yep. to those fields this year and and see where you're at so you're not getting too far behind if you're able to skip some of those fields um, because of prices uh, last year yep exactly already thinking about next year and i know some folks are already thinking about seed purchases for next year and everything else so i don't know maybe that's a topic for our next podcast we chat about Sounds what good. we need to plan for next time so guys uh Get out there. Get harvesting. Let's go. Get go. moving. It's time to go. Eric, uh, you can come with me. I'll get you a donut. We'll, we'll get it done. <laughs> See, those still aren't here. My God, he doesn't even know how to use a phone, no, does he? No, he doesn't. Really. It's just just a plug media. to, you know, Mary Lou's for some, some sponsorship. So. I understand. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on today's Purdue Crop Chat. We will do it again soon. This has been Purdue Crop Chat, a regular series featuring Purdue Extension's Dr. Dan Quinn and Dr. Sean Castile, made possible by the Indiana Corn and Soybean Checkoffs, the Indiana Corn Marketing Council, and the Indiana Soybean Alliance. The checkoffs are pleased to help bring you agronomy insights from Purdue Extension. Purdue Crop Chat, a service of Purdue University Extension, and Who's Your Ag Today, timely, relevant, credible.